some people might wonder why we do so many upbeat songs and it's such a celebratory type of service, but we had decided years ago that we weren't going to pretend like we don't know Sunday's coming. We're not going to show up on Friday and act like, oh man, Sunday didn't, never, it never happened. We know Sunday happened. We know Jesus is alive. And so we celebrate, even on Good Friday, the fact that Jesus is alive. So I was reading recently in a book, I read the story about a young woman named Florence Chadwick in the early 1900s. Florence Chadwick was an open water swimmer or kind of like a rough water swimmer. By the age of 10, she was the youngest person to swim across the San Diego Bay. She got really passionate about open water swimming and her goal was to swim the English Channel, which is approximately 21 miles. She wanted to swim the English Channel, but because she didn't have enough accreditation, she was denied the opportunity to go swim the English Channel. So she rose the money herself and decided that she was going to take on the task herself. And she ended up beating and becoming the youngest person to beat the world record swimming from France. I think she swam from France to England in just over 13 hours. And then a month later, maybe a year later, I don't remember exactly what, she went back and swam the other direction. And so she became the first woman in all of history to swim both directions in the English Channel. Then she had this idea that she was going to swim from, the, I think it's called Catalina Island, off the coast of California to the coast of California. It's a 24-mile swim. And to swim this swim, she started out, she had a fleet of boats that surrounded her to ward off sharks. Now, that alone is enough for me to say, I'm good. I don't, I don't even want to swim 24 feet. If you got to ward off sharks for me to do this, I'm okay. But she's swimming. And in one of the boats was her mother, who was cheering her on, encouraging her all throughout the swim. And after about 15 hours of swimming, she came into a dense fog. And in that dense fog, she just she couldn't get out of her, her mind that she was so far away. And even though her mother kept saying, keep going, keep going, keep going, she eventually swam another hour later and then asked to be pulled out of the water. And when she was pulled out of the water, she was told that she was just two miles away from the shore. That stings. Those moments where we don't finish something, that stings. It could be maybe the book that you've been talking about writing all of your life that you've yet to pen a word for. Or maybe it's that project on your house that's 20 years in the making. It could be a marriage that was said till death do us part and yet somebody walked away. The moments when things aren't finished can be very painful. But it's the reason why the last words of Jesus are so much more powerful. We throughout this series have been looking at different words of Jesus where he pardons the sin of mankind, where he cares for his mother and disciples, where Jesus gives paradise to a criminal. But there's another phrase that Jesus said that I believe holds massive weight for us. We, we read the words in John's account of the gospel or the story of Jesus. He says this, when he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. What we must understand is these are words of defeat. 
They are not words of surrender. They are words of victory. They are words of the job being completed. And in all of the pain that we experience in life, where something wasn't finished, Jesus stepped up to the cross, endured it, and then proclaimed these words, it is finished. Well, what did he, what did he finish? Way back at the beginning of creation, when man, Adam and Eve, had sinned and brought brokenness across the entire earth, God made a promise. He said that through the woman, he would bring one whom Satan would bruise his heel, but he would crush Satan's head. And on that cross, Jesus said, it is finished. Throughout the last few weeks, we've been talking about all of the sacrifices that had to be made throughout the Old Testament, how the priests would go in day after day and offer sacrifices for sins, how once a year there would be this day of atonement and a scapegoat was planned and the sins of the nation was placed on that scapegoat and it was sent out into the wilderness. Jesus would become the final sacrifice. He would once and for all pay the price and then sit down at the right hand of the Father and say, it is finished. When God would look at Abraham and say, through you I will make a great nation, Jesus would show up and say, it's finished. And all those who believe in Jesus would become sons of the promise, sons of Abraham, daughters of Abraham. Prophet Isaiah spoke this, he said, surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. The healing and the peace that we now can have with the Father is finished because of what Jesus Christ has done on the cross. In fact, this word, this phrase, we read it as a phrase. It is finished, but in the Greek language it's one single word. To telestai. And the word literally meant paid in full. It was a word that was used within the tax realm, within financial realms, that when a tax bill was paid, it was stamped on it. It's paid in full. And so what Jesus is doing is he's looking at the sins of the world and on the cross, he's bearing upon himself the wrath of God. He's paying our debt. And when he declares it is finished, he says their sins paid in full. That lust, it's paid in full. That adultery, it's paid in full. That lie, that gossip, it's paid in full. Every sin that was ever committed through faith in Jesus Christ, he stamps on the payment, it's paid in full. It's the greatest act of his love. In fact, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 13, he says, love keeps no record of wrongs. Again, a tax term, a financial term. Meaning that the ledger that carries your bills has been wiped clean. Jesus has paid it in full. He declares it is finished. There's still work to be done. He still needs to restore this broken world. He will still one day restore the nation of Israel. He will still one day bring his kingdom to reign on this earth. And he will finish that work too. But the work for our sin 
on that evening on a cross was paid in full. And through faith and faith alone, you can receive that payment. About a year later, Florence decided she was going to try to swim again. She set out with that same fleet of boats. About 13 hours, 14 hours in, hit a dense fog all over again. But this time, she kept an image of the shore in her mind. And in keeping the image of the shore in her mind, she finished that swim and made it in just over 16 hours. Because what the cross should do for us is put an image in our mind, a picture of a shoreline, a picture of an end that causes us to understand that because God has finished his work, we can finish ours too. In fact, the author of Hebrews says this. He says, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes where? On Jesus, the pioneer, the one who went before the one who ran his race and finished, the pioneer and the perfecter, the one who doesn't stop until he finishes what he started. Let us fix our eyes on that one, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Good Friday should remind us not only that Jesus has finished the work that he started, he can finish and will finish the work he's doing in us now. And we can run the race that is before us. We can finish what God has called us to through his work and his grace in our lives. So as we worship together, in order to fix our eyes on Jesus, I want to spend time in communion together. And before we dive into it, get this out of the side, I know these are awkward and difficult. There is a thin little plastic, thin, super thin little plastic thing. That's the thing you pull first to get your wafer. Then the tab. But that's the side. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Do this to fix your eyes back on me. Do this to remember when I paid it in full, when my body was broken, when my blood was spilled to cover your sins. So we together share in communion to fix our eyes once again on the perfecter, the pioneer of our faith. Before he dove into it, he blessed. And so I want to pray. Father, I thank you for your son Jesus and the price that he paid. It was no cheap price and therefore it's no cheap grace for you did not you did not pay a price of gold and silver or precious stones you paid the price of your own life Lord you said this you said that there's no greater love that, that anyone has than that he would lay down his life for his friends the very fact that you would call us friends, Lord, is amazing. But yet, not only that, you would die for us. You would lay your life down for us as the greatest act, the greatest demonstration of love. 
But I know that in this room tonight, throughout this whole week, there have been burdens, there have been struggles, there have been things left undone. There have been promises that have been, have been made and people have walked away without finishing. But Lord, I pray tonight would be a reminder that you finished the work you set out to do. And you have promised that you will finish the work that you've started in us. Lord, we reflect on you, we focus on you, our savior, our pioneer, our perfecter. Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, amen. Well, just hours before this statement of victory, it is finished. Jesus enjoyed the Passover feast with his disciples and says while they were eating, Jesus took the bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and he gave it to his disciples saying, take this and eat it. This is my body. When he had given thanks, he took the cup and he gave it to them and they all drank from it. And he said, this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many. He said to them, truly I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. I shared with our team as we were practicing earlier that we dare not look quickly past that statement. I won't drink this again until I drink it in the new kingdom. As we come to Sunday, we're going to see Jesus ascends into the heavens. And angels appear and say, if he ascended, he's coming back. The statement that Jesus makes here is that there is coming a day when we will do this in his presence. In the new kingdom, when he brings his kingdom back to this earth, when God truly dwells with us. Think, think about that. We share this together as the body of Christ. One day we will share this with Christ himself when he comes again and restores his kingdom. Let's reflect on him and what he paid as we drink this together.